and Jim Carrey leans over and uses my ashtray in character as Tony Clifton. And then he looks around. He does like the look around. Hey, kid. And, and so I lean in. Do you want to get famous? I said, yeah. Do you want to get rich? I said, yeah. He goes, give me your hand. I give him my hand. He takes a cigarette butt, puts it in my hand, closes my hand, and says, go home and clone me. Say what to nail. Hey, Ryan Lally here, Hollywood native. And I got the Rona. Voice is a little sexy, kind of Brenda Vaccaro-ish. Even though none of you young people know who the f*** Brenda Vaccaro is. This is, and you're about to see, Brian Lally, Hollywood native, the show. As always, I'm sitting here with my partner in crime, the man that made this all happen, Scott Williams. Scott, who do we have on the show today? Today, Brian, we have a great guest, Jamie Philbrick. Jamie Philbrick? Jamie. The journalist? The, the one. The actor, the entertainer. Jamie started out as an actor in, in high school, college, put on some great plays, written by Lawrence Fishburne. He's got quite a few other great stories. Anything I'm forgetting here? Just a note to listeners, we recorded this episode some time ago. Some of the references will sound a little bit old, but actually very interesting because Jamie, as a journalist, gets to see movies ahead of time. Uh, Jamie brought his dog Murphy along with him. Was that a mistake? We're going to find out. Not for me. I love the Murph. We've cut out some references to past girlfriends, but everything that's on here is interesting, and he's a hell of a raconteur, so enjoy the time. You know Jesus and Miro? Do you watch them? What? Jesus and Miro, they, they have a talk show on Showtime? No. It's super good. They're a hilarious. African-American gentlemen? They both are, indeed. Yeah, yes. from, from the East. From Brooklyn, yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, you, I, you, I know you know the show. Yeah, 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 yeah. So they had Goldblum on. As right. a guest. And it was amazing because they shoot in like a bodega set. Right. It's not a real bodega. No. But I don't know that Jeff, Jeff was confused <laughs> whether it was a set or a real bodega. And so there was a lot of, oh, uh, oh yes. Oh, what are those? Yeah. You know, it was a lot of, a lot of that. Before New Year's, he was driving with his wife uh, to a pop-up uh, clothing yeah, 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 thing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And he said, I've never been there before. I said, oh, I said, Jeff, wherever you go, you will find something interesting. It's true. I mean, he made a whole show about and, it. And what do you think he said to that? Oh, Brian Lally, yes. I will <laughs> oh, find something no. interesting. Yes, said, yes, oh, yes, yes. Oh, yes, yes, yes. yes, yes, yes. <laughs> so. I am looking forward to the new Jurassic, though. And I, I didn't really care for the last yeah, two seven. that much. Last seven. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the last three. I try every episode to say that I was in the second one. So you were? I try, I try you to, were? You were? I try to get, put that out there. Yeah. Should, should we do a uh, L.A. Confidential retrospective? Should we talk about the... Do you know your boy just got arrested? Who's that, Kyle? Cromwell. Oh, I thought yeah, you yeah. my son. No, 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 your boy from... Uh, Cromwell got Boya. arrested? Well, he gets arrested on purpose a lot for political things. He's been doing that for years. Oh, okay. And, uh, you know, like a Jane Fonda. And oh. he just did something where he's, he's a communist. He <laughs> he walked into a Starbucks in Manhattan right. and mm. super glued his finger to the counter and wouldn't leave I don't know, he was berating them about almond milk. 
Something oh, about yeah. almond milk? Yeah, that is also communist. What's, what's, what's the controversy <laughs> with almond milk? I have no idea. There's some I've kind of controversy of it. that it's not appropriate. I don't know. I don't know what he was It's not appropriate? I don't know. He was complaining about <laughs> almond milk. It had been, talk like it was it had been talking the, about the other employees. Well, no, he thought that it was happening in an inappropriate way. Sure. Almond milk looks too much like jizz. I, it was something. No, it was <laughs> so. something about the environment and the almond. I don't know. I thought almond milk was better for you. When I put this on it's... my wife's. Oh! Oh! Uh oh! Do we have a biter? Yep. Yep. All right, Murph. <laughs> yep. Were, were our feet dangling? Well, yeah, our feet were yeah. moving because I sit here. Yeah, sorry. Yeah. So I got bit. Did, did you get bit hard? I got bit blood? pretty hard. Yeah. I'm wearing my leather Converse, which I think stopped it from getting from, from, uh, from going all the fun. Yeah, right. going through. I forgot that that. But is a, yeah. uh, we're gonna find out if I start feeling liquid in my shoe. Yeah. Yeah. Uh oh. So Murphy may have to um, just be a little farther away. Yeah, that that we can do that. Yeah. Okay, let's just move you right here. There you go. Sorry, that is a hazard that happened. Well, well I, I I found that out. Yeah. Sorry, I should. Do that. I I knew it was. We're gonna have to play that. Yeah. <laughs> I think those are a highlight clip right yeah. now. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. <laughs> do, we, do we have any footage of the... Uh, Sorry, Murph. The, do we have a camera that catches under the table? Well, you know... I because I may need that in court. We just need your reaction. Even mine, I, you kind of scared me. Yeah. Well, it, it didn't scare you as much as getting bit by a big dog yeah. viciously yeah. under the table. Yeah. Well, so, he, he got, I'm sorry. He got scared. These black and, black and white converse are now black, white, and red. Well, he's had all the shots, so. Uh, yeah, so I haven't. No, <laughs> so I might, so I might get something. I might you. have to get one. So. All right. Okay. I had no idea. Yeah, I'm fine. You went to college in Boston? Yeah, so I went to a junior college in upstate Massachusetts called Dean College. Right. And I majored in acting there. And then I transferred to Emerson College in Boston and was a theater major there with Kristen Linkletter. Do you remember? Have you heard her name voice? She was the big voice voice and articulation free your voice she wrote the book free your oh, voice no, I don't know. yeah yeah and you she can ran, tell by the way i don't enunciate anything that she ran she the uh shakespeare company up in the berkshires oh, wow. for years so yeah she was the head of the department when i was there and then moved to la and then very quickly started to play house west which is where brian was a teacher but you were never my teacher right I don't think so, because I, think, I think, so. think you would have gone farther as an actor. Oh, yeah? If you were my teacher? <laughs> so you started out here, and I have to say that you went into it. You got into it. You know, there's not that many people that did. What do you mean? We, uh, no, 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 but let me expand. What do you mean I got into it? You started acting and putting on shows yeah. and doing what a lot of people don't do. Mm. A lot of people come to L.A., and they're happy to be in class. Mm. And I always say when I'm teaching, if you're not working towards something, you're just showing up for class. But you try the best of your ability to work towards something, to put up a project, to further your career. You were young and to try to become a professional, you know, right away. So that's what I'm talking about. But we've known, I, I've probably gone through thousands of students who just want to say they got rich parents. They just want to say they, they just came, they showed up and they're, they're living in a $3,000 a month apartment. They don't have a job, and they're, right. they're actors. I was here yesterday, and I was telling Scott about, you know, the production values of Riff Raff. Mm. You did a good job as an actor, and obviously the sets. And, and people don't understand why we're saying this. We, don't have, we didn't have sets at right. Playhouse West. They never had sets, except Graham Elwood in uh, Cashflow. I don't know if right. you ever saw that. And he put a lot of money into that, but you had a full professional set. 
which really I think helps at times. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't always have to be. And there's obviously plays you can do that have sparse uh, uh, props and, and furniture on stage. But uh, yours called for it. It was great. And uh, I did talk about the uh, during it was during the summer in the San Fernando Valley. Yeah, I had to turn off the air conditioning because you guys came in with torches or lighters. Or... Uh, was it? Yeah, because we had to light. So this play is called Riff Raff. It was written by Lawrence Fishburne. Mm -hmm. And I produced, and, and, and Titus Welliver, who's on Bosch Legacy, um, was also in it, and I played his part. And it takes place in Brooklyn in a, um, in like a abandoned building, sort of a crack den, like a, a homeless person crack den. And so the theater where we were doing this play was almost perfect for it already, right? right? We just needed graffiti on the walls. Mm -hmm. So what we- Well, yeah, but you had trash all <laughs> well, over the place. Well, we had trash place. all, yeah, 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 yeah. No, no, but, 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 say but, that you had good production no, values but I'm and saying we, that we the, came in and, and painted a no, wall. No, no, but I was saying that the theater was all, you know, we were lucky in that the, the, what we needed to create Right, could be created there, right. and you know, and it it didn't need a lot of work, but a little of the work that we did do, which was really interesting, was we built basically dummy walls. Right. So we built walls to put up against the walls. Got the paint of the actual theater. Right. To paint the walls the same color as the theater. Right. And then I got a graffiti artist to come in and just graffiti those those fake walls, basically. So right. we would just rest them up against the background. But it looked like a yep. crack den. And if there's one thing I know about. Yeah, yeah. Well, thank you for that. I did, no, we worked hard on that show. And, um, and, it, and we ran it for about a year. And uh, it was a great cast. And uh, um, yeah, it was a lot of fun to do. I, I, I played a heroin addict. And I OD at the end of the play. So the last like 10 minutes of the play, I'm just dead on stage. Okay. And I have two great monologues as an actor. Like, oh my God, amazing, amazing monologues um at at the end one is while i'm shooting up for the last time and then od and so um yeah it was it was a really fun play to do and a lot a lot of work but it was a great experience yeah a lot of politics as well but well always always yeah but it was a great all of that was a great like learning experience and who was in it with you alfonso it was alfonso williams ii yeah. as Lawrence fishburne role which is uh mikey 2020 and then uh, and then van gunter Oh, okay. Van Gunter as the heavy D role. And Alfonso almost killed you one night, literally? Well, yes. Uh, <laughs> so it was physical. It's a physical play. And the two characters are sort of the two, my character and the other lead character kind of against, they, they find out that they're half brothers through the course of the play. But, but they are very much at each other's throats through all of it. And there's one scene where he kind of grabs me by the shirt and puts me up against the wall. And so I don't remember exactly what the argument was, but it had something to do again with booking the theater mm -hmm. and when we were going to do the shows. And I had the attitude of like, the, you know, we've worked two years on this play. You know what I mean? Like this is our baby. Right. You know, we have to deal with when the theater is available and other people are doing shows and so if they tell us this weekend is available to do the show, like we're doing the show that weekend. Right. Right. And whatever your other plans are, like work around doing right. the show. Right. But it was like his anniversary and his wife were going away and I was just you know, and I was young at the time and you know, I didn't have a wife and yeah. I was twenty six and I was like, hey, listen, if you want to be an actor, like this yes, is what we're doing. This is when I we're doing the that. show. I, and I, no, 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 I know. I yeah. mean I, I I see the other point of view now as well. I'm not saying I was wrong, but I, I, I see both points of view. So the story, though, is that he was not happy with me saying, 
I don't care if it's your anniversary. You need to yeah. be available to do the show. And, and I love Alfonso. I hope he doesn't hear this. Yeah, Alfonso's bad, great. What? Let's just say he took it out on me during the show because instead of lifting me up by my shirt, he lifted me up with one hand by my, my throat. <laughs> and I was really scared in the moment, like, whoa, that's not what we rehearsed. What's happening here? That's yeah, so those um, are things you can't buy. Yeah, yeah, those you can't buy that. You that was can't pretty buy awesome. as an actor. But I totally agree with you. I mean, I've canceled so many things in my life. It's like the show's going on. Yeah. I, it was it, it sort of inundated in us very early at Playhouse. Like, this cool. is what, if this is what you want to do, like, this is what comes first. And, da -da. and I'm amazed by, and again, I won't, let's not name names, mm -hmm. but there's an actor we know who, you know, is a successful working actor, gets right. small roles, you know, good small roles and right. good things right. and, and makes a living as an actor and was willing to throw that all away because of his views on, on vaxxing and mm -hmm. not wanting to get vaxxed. And it's like, that's not how we were taught. Like we were taught, you get a role, you're lucky yeah, and you do, do everything you can to do it. If that means you have to get a vaccination, you get a vaccination. Right. It seems like that attitude has changed w with actors to where like acting's not the most important thing anymore. When I first started acting, I was older than most of the kids and I had a wife and a baby and a full-time job. And someone would say, let's rehearse tomorrow. At 6 a.m. I get up at 6 a.m. Right. Someone would say, I live in Venice. And I'd say, okay, I'm driving from Studio City to Venice. You didn't think about it. Right. Oh, my fucking God. You can't get people to go around the block. You know what I mean? Is that people a thing now? Is it hard to get people like to just... Because I remember like one of the things for us, like it, even when we were starting an intermediate, it, it was like pounded in us. You have to rehearse at least an right. hour a day. Yeah. You know, a couple hours, you know, get in a couple, you know, call people during your breaks, yeah. go over to the house. I mean, we used to drive to people's houses, just come in with doors and activities right. just to get it done. And right. then, you know what I mean? Go right. back, you know, do two or three in a day. Yeah. And, yeah. yeah. No, do, I'm do, still, do the actors I, not even do that anymore? Yeah. No. I'm, wow. I mean, I still teach like that. There was a kid I had in class... Um, and he, he said he was a champion swimmer. He was from Florida and he said he was a champion swimmer. I said, how often did you train? He said, six hours a day. I said, if you bring that to your right. acting, then, and he was a good looking kid. He was a swimmer, a surfer. So he was young, real good shape. And I said, if you bring that to your acting, you'll start working. There's just, you just can't avoid it. You know what I mean? So he was in class for six months. How many times did he rehearse? Once. Zero. Right. Zero. But he used to get drunk and drive to people's houses and like rear end people on the way. And he never, nobody ever, nobody ever busted him on it. He'd bump into people at stop signs and stuff because he was drunk. But, um, but no. And, I, and he said, yeah, I know what it's like to, to train six hours a day. I go, six hours a day? That's what Larry Moss talks about. You'll be a fucking superstar. You know what I mean? I remember with Riff Raff because of the, because the theater where we would do it, like they'd have classes all day long, you know? So there was only limited time when you could get the theater and other people needed the theater to rehearse as well. And we had such an, we, because there's, there are guns in the play and there's other things. We had had an issue where um, a window was open at someone's apartment when we were rehearsing and the cops actually came because they saw guys with guns yeah. yelling at each other. And so at that point they, I was given keys to the theater and told like, you get, you guys can rehearse. We don't want anyone having the cops called on, like, just rehearse here. But because of the hours, like, we would have to, you know, maybe we'd have class from 7 to 10 and then rehearse from 10 to 1 in the morning. Yeah. Or we would yeah. get at the theater at 6 a.m. 
and rehearsed till nine till the nine o'clock class came in. Right. You know, I mean, that's how we got that show done. Right. But that's what I talked about, you know, and I don't mind talking about again, is that what the fuck is I going to say? Uh oh, I'm having a stroke. It's I'm running out of blood. I talked about, you know, the commitment to rehearsing. Right. You know, the commitment that it, it didn't matter what time of, of day it was, but I talk about that's what I was going to say. I was going to talk about the Brits like I always do. I used to say they're stealing all our parts. Right. But they're not. They're earning all our parts. Right. Because they go to class six hours a day, five days a week, for a year, two years, you know, and they train with everything. And they and, can actually do accents. Right. But they train with everything. And then you come here and people are going to class and they can't rehearse for half an hour between class. Right. But the ones who do really, really uh, benefit and really progress. Yep. You know? So... I've had a great group of, uh, I've had many classes with great students in, at Lola's and the ones who really, but it takes someone from the class to uh, to move it along. And there was no, nobody better than Kaylee Chase that right. I had in my class that would you put mean, together. Like set the, the pace of the class, set the well, pace Well, would of... say, we're going to rehearse. Yeah, right. And then when, when your peers say to you, we're going to rehearse, they, they were rehearsing in a park. They didn't want to drive to each other's house wherever they live. She was up in Lower Canyon. People were in Culver City. That's fine. You're rehearsing in a park like in downtown Culver City. I think it's the same place where the Actors Gang was for a oh, while. Yeah, yeah, There's yeah, a building yeah, there the Actors yeah, Gang yeah. was in. But they were getting together in a park to rehearse, and it was like, do something. Yeah. You know what I mean? But she was also from New York. She went to school in the city, and it's, it's different You know, when you have that kind of vibe of uh, finding a place to rehearse is is uh is a little different yeah, that's so really interesting because it was so different you know 20 years ago yeah when i was doing it. like it was just yeah. the attitude right the focus you know and bring it back because it's interesting because i recently was asked to um mentor journalism students at emerson college in right. the la program and it was interesting because I don't remember, like, I remember being in, and I did, Emerson has a Los Angeles program, and I did it my last semester in 97 and, and stayed. But I remember, like, I couldn't wait to get out of college. I couldn't wait to start my career, to start my life. Like, it was all I cared about. These kids are terrified. Right. They're scared. And I get it. They also had the pandemic that they're dealing with, but they are scared to death. Like, one girl asked me like will my life be okay i'm like i don't know like you know what i mean like what you know but they're just terrified they're like ah, I'd, I'd rather just move back in with my parents i don't want to you know look for a job i'm like i couldn't wait like moving right, in with my parents yeah. was the last thing i wanted to do at that right. age and i'm sure the pandemic had a lot to do with it but it is it's you know it's, yeah. it's different these kids and it was weird too i mean these these kids weren't even born when I graduated college. Yeah, the isolation factor of the pandemic and all these classes going to Zoom and whatnot, I feel yeah. like is another reason why uh, maybe actors have gotten more comfortable just like being behind a laptop versus having I mean, the... even just doing, I mean, junkets for the most part, some in-person junkets are starting to come back press-wise, but for the most part, I mean, they've been you know, all virtual and I, I love it. I love doing it virtual. I don't mm -hmm. want to drive to a hotel. I met all of them. I don't need to meet them again. It's fine. So we, I want to get into that. Um, on, on, on Zoom, it's fine by me. Yeah. No, I want to get into that. All the, you know, people don't even know everybody that you've interviewed. Horseback riding with Johnny Depp. 
Well, uh, yeah, let's you know, leave. Sure. I don't want it to sound though. It was very Johnny Depp heavy over here. Like, well, it was, oh, but it was okay. a couple well, of a couple of Johnny Depp events. Well, well yes, he might yes. be exonerated. Yeah, he may, he may be. He, so you can say that. You don't have to be worried because you're a journalist now and you're <laughs> afraid I? that someone. I heard him say he liked Poor Johnny Depp. And, and, yeah, 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 yeah. Okay, so okay. we won't get Johnny De- no, no, Depp. No, but but uh, yeah, but uh, no, 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 no. I've interviewed. Uh, no. So you act, and then then you. Um, you know, you you moved over into journalism. Right. You love everything about movies. You yeah. Love everything about I know movies and TV. And, yeah. Yeah, and I love superheroes. Right. And yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. All that stuff. So, but I know some of the stories, and I want to hear about uh, you know working on Man on the Moon. And, oh yeah, Man on the Moon. And what happened when you were in the? Uh, okay, so I was doing the acting thing for a while, and I did, did riff raff, and I got to do a couple of uh, ex- featured extras. Yeah, extras or featured extras, and have a little line here or there. I was actually in Old School, mm-hmm. and Will Ferrell's brother-in-law in the wedding scene. My line was cut, but that was like the biggest kind of part I got. Like I had a trailer and you know all yeah. that kind of stuff. Then I was in Boogie Nights. I'm in the opening scene. And I was in American Pie in a, in a cafeteria scene, and then Man on the Moon. You see Brian here? He's not always doing the best. Financially, mentally, physically, for sure. You want to help keep Brian off the streets of Hollywood? There's a way you can help. Join us on Patreon. You want to tell him what we got on there, buddy? Yes, we have the general admission. We have the backstage. And we have the VIP all-access pass. So please join today. I'm due for a bath. In the arms of the angel. So I worked the last three days of production on Man the Moon. They were shooting that final scene where... It's after Andy Kaufman dies, but Tony Clifton appears at the performing at the comedy store. Mm-hmm. It was actually in real life that happened, but it was Bob Zamuda, his partner by that point, that Paul Giamatti plays, was pretend. Now in the movie, they pan the camera over and you see actually Paul Giamatti there. So they give you the idea of like, oh, is Andy maybe not dead? But it's all, you know, that's all just for the movie. So it was three days, comedy store, Jim Carrey in Tony Clifton makeup and attire. And because he was, if you saw the Netflix documentary mm-hmm. uh, uh, that he did, he was Andy as Tony the entire time that I was, I was working with him. So he's on the stage of the comedy store and I was in the front, they sat me in the front. So for three days, I'm in the front table and you can't see me in the actual movie because of the angles of the camera, but in the documentary, because there was a camera behind him, you can actually see me right in the front. And so, you know, I was just hanging out for three days and we could, uh, they were smoking fake cigarettes, but I think this is 98. So I think they hadn't passed the law yet in LA for cigarette smoking in bars and restaurants. Oh no. So I think everyone was smoking, you know, it was kind of, it was kind of like everyone got to smoke. It was like being at a casino in Vegas. (laughs) Everyone gets to smoke. So there was an ashtray on my table and this was like the third day and it was going to be the final day of shooting on the entire film. And he comes out and he sings, once you da-da-da, da-da-da-da-da. Oh, oh, yeah, I shall, I will survive. I will survive, I will survive. That's what it was. So Tony Clifton's singing, I will survive at the end. So he'd done it already from a bunch of different angles and blah, blah, blah. And so he and 
Milos Forman are talking on stage in between shooting, and I'm sitting right there. They didn't clear out the extras. And so they're arguing about something, not arguing, but you know, talking about something. And Jim Carrey leans over and uses my ashtray in character as Tony Clifton. And then he looks around, he does like the look around. Hey kid. And and so I lean in. Do you want to get famous? I said, yeah. Do you want to get rich? I said, yeah. He goes, give me your hand. I give him my hand. He takes a cigarette butt, puts it in my hand, closes my hand, and says, go home and clone me. <laughs> <laughs> and that was my interaction with Jim Carrey. So then once we had captured his side of performing the song, then they needed to capture the band and close-ups of Paul Giamatti and the audience. So it didn't matter at that point what Jim Carrey was doing to perform mm -hmm. to, you know, amuse us as long because they were getting reaction shots. So he did, and it was a couple of days before Halloween, he did an impression of Tim Curry in Rocky Horror Picture Show. <laughs> doing the Transylvanian, whatever that mm. song's called. He did Tony Bennett doing I Left My Heart in San Francisco. He did Sammy Davis Jr. doing Candyman, right? Candyman? Yeah, the Candyman. And he did Kermit the Frog, the Rainbow Connection. <laughs> yeah. And, and it was amazing. And then the band, and then uh, at the end of the last day, they brought it, and it's in the documentary, they bring out the cake, and Danny DeVito and Milos. And that was the only time that Andy broke, or Jim broke character and kind of talked to the audience. And so, okay, flash forward years later, right before but, the- But wait a minute, okay. before, what did they miss in the movie and the documentary, the most important part of Andy <clears throat> Kaufman's life? Did he have a sister and they don't mention it? Is it something like that? Like they Had raised to do the with Brian member? Lally. Had to do with Brian Lally. Oh, okay. So, okay. So, well, I don't know. I taught him how to play Pac-Man. Oh, that's right. Okay. That's right. At the, at, uh, yeah. um, the deli. Yes. Yes. And Jerry's yes. famous deli. Well, so flash forward. Oh, we're, we're passing over that? Well, I'm trying to give you the punchline <laughs> of the story. You're interrupted. You're killing the story. I'm killing the yes. story. I'm killing the story. Flash forward 20 years. And right before the pandemic, I do the junket for the first Sonic the Hedgehog and interview Jim Carrey. And we were doing a little bit of like, I had 10 minutes, which was longer than usual. So we were doing a little bit of career retrospective. And we got, we, he was talking a little bit about Man and Moon and, and, and Andy and all that. And so at the end of the interview, they basically yelled cut, but I, I, I leaned into him and I just said, you know, actually I was an extra on Man and the Moon and I was actually there on the last day. And he's got up out of his seat, big arms, embraced me and said, thank you. Thank you for being a part of that. And Andy thanks you too. Wow. And I was like, Okay, yeah. That's amazing. And yeah, yeah, he was great. But it's always a little startling when that happens. Did he ask if you cloned him? No, I, I, there wasn't enough time to remind him of, like, of that story. You know what I mean? Like, you have to kind of be careful of like how much, you only have so much time. So, um, you know, you got into journalism and you started interviewing, you know, stars. Everyone. Everyone. Yeah. In yeah. person. So you work for the big Chinese publication. What was the name? Right, M Time. M Time. Yeah, so it was sort of like so, the Fandango of China. Right. So where did you start? How did you? 
while I was still an actor, I was working in post-production. I had a roommate from Emerson who was a apprentice editor mm -hmm. and got me in on a movie called The Clearing with Robert Redford and Willem Dafoe right. and Helen Mirren. And that editor, Kevin Tent, was uh, Alexander Payne's editor. And mm. edited all his movies. So I got brought on to Sideways. So I worked in post-production on Sideways. Right. And then worked on a bunch after that, Jumper with Doug Lyman and a few others. And around that time that I was working on Jumper, I kind of was realizing like the acting thing wasn't really working for me. You know, I got in a Wendy's commercial and a couple of things in the play and stuff like that. But, you know, I was going on a lot of auditions, but not... You know, and I think I got sick of sort of at 28 or 29, like being an out-of-work actor. I just like didn't like that anymore. And so I was trying to think, well, really? what else? I, yeah. wouldn't, I wouldn't know what that was. Yeah, yeah I just, I didn't, I didn't like I the idea. Because I had birthday coming up. Well, I didn't like the idea of like my parents, you know, my parents being like, what's he doing? And is it going to be okay? You know, and I just wanted, I wanted, and I was also sick of my career and my job and my career were two different things and had been for 10 years. And I wanted my job and my career to be the same thing. That's cool. I sort of started wanting to get into like comic books because I loved comic books. So I was thinking, well, like maybe I could edit comic books or work for DC or something like that. And then long story short, I got a job writing for Wizard Magazine covering Comic-Con 2006. And so that was my entry level into it. And so I did that for them for a couple of years, freelance stuff. Also, like I was working in post-production so I could get an interview with Doug Lyman you know, for the new Knight Rider TV show he was producing or something like that. Right. So I was doing a lot of that kind of stuff, like getting interviews that I could get and get, doing interviews that they would assign me. Worked for Comic Book Resources for a couple of years. But again, I was still just sort of freelancing while I was doing post-production work. And then in 2009, got offered a job with MovieWeb. And that's where I started doing film criticism on top of interviews and also doing set visits and junket and being part of the junket cycle of doing junket interviews. And then uh, in 2011, got a gig with Relativity Media as That's the managing right. yeah, really, editor yeah. of I Am Rogue, which yeah. is their big right, um, right. Yeah, movie site. <clears throat> and then Relativity Media, the studio, filed for bankruptcy in 2015. I did some freelance for Fandango and a few other places. And then, and then M Time in 2015. But with Relativity, you, you interviewed quite a few A-list stars. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I got Oprah there. Right. That's where I got Oprah. Uh -huh. Oprah was amazing. Uh, so yeah. I had never been like, I don't know, I wasn't like a huge Oprah fan or, you know, I liked her. You know, I didn't have, I didn't have a feeling really either one way or the other. But my mom loved Oprah, you know, mm -hmm. especially when she still had the show. And so this was when The Butler came out. I think, and there was a lot of Oscar buzz for her. And Lee the, Daniels, the butler? Lee Daniels, the butler. Okay. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I thought yeah. it was another, the butler. Yeah. No. no, no, no. I think, right? Was that the name of it? Yeah, Lee yeah, Daniels, Yeah, yeah, with her butler. and Forrest. Yeah. She got a big award at the Santa Barbara Film Festival, and I was covering. And not a lot of people got her on the press line, but somehow I was able to get her. And I asked her a question, and her answer to me began with, oh, that's a great question. I haven't gotten that before. And I was like, Wow. And it was so weird, too, because it was like, again, I didn't have like really, you know, I didn't care about her one way or the other, really. And as soon as she walked towards me, like, it's like meeting a beetle. It really is that like it was like an angel walking over to me. Like it was really I was really surprised by how sort of starstruck I bought, was by her. And I don't get starstruck. Right. Super often. Right. Tom Cruise was another one that was kind of like 
it's like talking to like a building or a car or something. You know what I mean? It's like, it's not a person. Right. Like, you know, it's, 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 yeah, it's an icon, you know, um, Clooney's another super great one. Super nice. Hugh Jackman's super nice. The ones that I love the most are always like when I got to talk or interact with people that were big, like to me as a kid. Right. So like Stanley, obviously, right. Mark Hamill, but even like Arsenio Hall was a huge deal because right. I grew up watching that show, you right. know, or Eddie Murphy, right. Bruce Willis was great. Bruce was one because I was a huge Bruce Willis fan as a kid, like Die Hard and Moonlighting, like that was my shit. And so when I got into the business of, of journalism, you know, pretty quickly I heard like, stay away from Bruce Willis like he's not the you know he doesn't really like press and you know and, uh, and so I st- kind of you know stayed away for a while and then when the last Die Hard was coming out I was like no, it's a Die Hard movie I gotta yeah, you gotta know what I mean him. if this is gonna be if, you, if there's ever gonna be a time I'm gonna talk to him, like this will be the time and he was super super nice to me maybe you could tell as a fan you know I also posed the question sort of some journalists will like go right in with kind of like the gotcha question no 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 you gotta prop them up before you before you knock him down. <laughs> and so maybe I propped him up a little bit and he liked that. But it like two weeks later, I was on the red carpet at the Independent Spirit Awards. And this was the year of Moon Knight Kingdom, the Wes Anderson movie. And yeah. he was nominated for a Spirit <laughs> Award for Best Supporting Actor. And so he's going down the press line and I'm at the way, I'm at the end. No one talks to us. Like yeah. we're at the way end. And he's at the start talking to Entertainment Tonight and Access Hollywood. So the chances of him getting down to us at all is, you know. And about halfway, he, he stops talking to people and he and his new wife start, start walking. And as he's walking by, I'm just like, hey, Bruce. And he looks at me and he came over and gave me two minutes. And I, to a degree where people were like, do you know him? Like, right. why did he stop for you? And I was like, I have no idea, but I'll take it. And I'm good. No more Bruce Willis. Yeah. You know, I'm good. And, uh, you know, obviously now in light of, uh, I'm glad I had a good experience with him uh, back then. Yeah, it's funny. And I may have told you this, but I, I talked to um, the actor Frank Grillo. Do you know him? He's in the um, Purge movies. and he in was, Marvel? Yeah, yeah, yeah. He's the crossbones in Marvel. Mm-hmm. Yeah, so. I always get him confused with the, the Grillo from uh, the Howard Stern show, wasn't it? Oh, right? that's right. There was a, Steve Grillo. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, no, there's another actor that, fr- I think I sometimes get Frank Grillo confused with Thomas Jane. Or there's another sort of action-y guy that I sometimes confuse him with. But Frank's great. And he, I was interviewing him about a month before the news came out about Bruce. And he stars in a lot of these movies that Bruce does, you know, these direct-to-DVD, like, quickie movies mm-hmm. that Bruce does. And he's done, like, five or six with them at this point. And the one that I was talking to him for was a movie that Bruce was in. And this was before the news came out. But he kept saying to me, and I didn't really think much about it at the time, but he kept saying things like, yeah, I think this is Bruce's last one. I don't think he's going to be doing, I think he's going to retire soon. I don't think he's going to be doing too many. And he didn't say anything like he's sick or this is why. Mm-hmm. I just like, oh, that's interesting. You know, because if you're going to make $3 million for a week of work, yeah. you know, why not keep doing that for, yeah, you know, for as long as you want? But, you know, I sort of put that in, in different perspective once that news came out. I was like, oh, I think he was kind of trying to like, wink, wink, nudge, yeah. nudge, tell me, you know, Bruce's time is almost up yeah. but he's got like five or six more movies in the can there's another one coming out in a couple of weeks white elephant yeah. so you know there'll be a few well, more chuck russell just directed him in one in hawaii so that'll be coming out yep so yeah I, i'm sure i think it's willis and travolta oh yeah 
Yeah, because Travolta does definitely does those now, too. Yeah, yeah, and Chuck Russell did one with him a couple of years ago, so, uh, with, with Travolta. So, I saw Willis was there. So, any real fun stories, you know, about celebrities that surprised you? I mean, these, these are some good stories, Oprah and Willis. But, yeah, yeah, let me but see. I, I don't want to ask, I guess everybody wants to know about people who are jerks to you. I don't think you want to talk about that. I really don't care. I'd prefer to have... Yeah, you no. Know, some, well, like I will, like, I'll like say, Jim Carrey giving you a big hug. Yeah, that's fucking cool. Uh, well, I'll say this: like, I would say ninety percent of the people I interview are just fine. Five percent are incredible, and five percent are terrible. But it's really not that many. You know, most people are just fine. Well, I mean, I do have some great Stan Lee stories. Right. Um, I don't know if that's a big enough celebrity. Uh, to me, to, it is. To, so Stan, we had a really good. I mean, I had met him a bunch of times over the years, but then we had a really good relationship with his POW Entertainment team right. when I was working for China. And they, they were very big, in, you know, before a lot of other companies were, quite frankly, actually big into global and, right. you know, other countries. And so we would do a lot of work with them where I'd get to go to his office in Beverly Hills and spend some time with him. You know, of course, he was married to the same woman for like 60 years or 70 years or something ridiculous. And she died. And we had had a date set up to come in and do a bunch of stuff that was going to be part of our comic-con coverage with him and she died like maybe four or five days before we were scheduled to do it and i was like that's getting canceled like that's that's not gonna happen and then we got word like no he he wants to keep his mind off of things and you know he'll do it And and this was already you know probably the fifth or sixth time i'd interacted with him for stuff and we got to the office early to set up all the equipment and everything. And there was also going to be this weird component where I was going to wear a Spider-Man out costume. You have the physique. Yeah, you're right. right. Well, we, they wanted to originally hire a guy and they wanted to go down to Hollywood Boulevard and get the Spider-Man guy. I was like, no, 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 The no, fat no, no. Spider-Man guy. Yeah, yeah. I was like, no, 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 no. We can get a costume for 45 bucks and I'll put it on. And so that was the plan. So I'm in the Spider-Man outfit. So he comes in and he's so sweet. And maybe I didn't have the outfit on yet, but he comes in, he's so sweet, so nice. Really tired. I mean, you could tell, you know, yeah. the funeral was like the next day. You know, everything had just sort of happened. It was, he was exhausted, but like so sweet and so nice to all of us. And so we do the interview bit and then we were going to re, um, you know, restage everything for this sort of stunt thing we were doing with me in the costume. And so I go to put on the costume and we kind of hid me in this sort of corner so he because we didn't want him to see me with the costume yet and so i'm just sitting there like mic'd up in a spider-man costume like mask on just like sitting you know in the corner and so they had shot something with him and then he's like can i take a break and they're like oh yeah we got about 20 minutes if you want it. he wanted to lay down right. which is totally understandable right. I mean, the guy was like 86 or something at the time right. he's walking by with his partner gil great guy gil champion and Gil's walking and he's got his mic pack and everything like still on. And he's like, um, oh, can I take this stuff off to lay down? And the, and the camera guy's like, no, 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 just leave it on. You've been watching Brian Lally, Hollywood native. Now I want to talk to you about something I'm really passionate about, and that's teaching acting. So I co-founded Lola's Acting School with my son, Kyle Lally, Lally or Lally Acting School. I've been acting for uh, a long time now of 100 plus credits on IMDb, hundreds of plays I've been involved with over the years. And I just want to share that experience with you. 
What we do differently here at Lola's is we give you practical advice that you can use on a movie set, on a play, an audition, anywhere. We give you the foundation to build yourself as a great actor. If you come to us, you don't know anything. We can teach you everything you need to know to be comfortable on a, on a set and to excel. Don't just listen to me. Look at what our students are doing. Daryl Wesley, who is writing on two hit shows, The Game and The Upshaws, and Ben Barrett, who is a series regular on The Politician, Megan Davis, who is uh, playing Amber Heard in the Johnny Depp Amber Heard story. Come check us out. We're at the Historic Arc Theater in the NoHo Arts District. You ever want to try plant-based eating? I have. What, you're a little confused, overwhelmed, you don't know how to get started? Definitely. Well, there's a simple answer to that. Go to Debbie Chu's Chew On Vegan YouTube channel. Debbie Chu is a plant-based RN. I've known Debbie for over 38 years, and she's very good at what she does. You go to the channel, and there's 300, over 300 recipes. They're simple, easy to make, and they're delicious. If you want to try it, you just might get healthy. Give it a shot. Chew On Vegan. You know, if you don't mind, it'll be easier. You just leave it on and you lay down. And, and so he's sort of talking to Gil as he's walking by me. And he says, uh, oh, I feel ridiculous with this, you know, this, this big you know, pack right. on me. He said it just as he was walking by when he glanced at me. And I just looked at him with a Spider-Man costume on and said, you feel ridiculous? <laughs> <laughs> and yeah. he giggled. And then later, while I was wearing the Spider-Man costume, he referenced me as his son. Now, I know he meant Spider-Man's his son. Right. But I couldn't help feeling like Man. maybe he was a little bit talking Man. about me. Yeah. I got to um, tell you, I'm so, right there with you. Yeah, so Stan was great. Well, I had breakfast with Al Pacino once, which was everything you want it to be. Because he is hoo-ha. I mean, he really is the hoo-ha guy. Right. You know, he is that sort of 90s... I mean, and this was 10 years ago, but I mean, he was still sort of that like 90s heat scent of a woman kind of Al Pacino. And everything was like, it's really interesting. He would only talk about two things from his past. Like he wouldn't really talk about heat or talk about any of the 90s movies. Or, cocaine? Or any, no, he talked a lot about Panic in Needle Park. And he would talk a lot about The Godfather, which is what you wanted to talk about. But every story was like, Oh, Francis, Francis didn't want me, and the studio didn't want me, and Francis, this, and it's kind of like the stories you've heard. Have you seen The the Offer, the Paramount Plus? I haven't watched it yet. It's really good. It good? I mean, it's a little silly. It's a, some of, I mean, and I think 50% mm, yeah. of it didn't happen, yeah. but. I was looking forward to it when the buildup, I just haven't gotten around to it, but. The uh, guy who plays Robert Evans is amazing. Mm -hmm. Um Matthew yeah, Good, he was in Watchmen. Okay, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. He's incredible as uh, yeah. the guy who plays Bob Evans. He's right. incredible. That. Yeah. So leading uh, up to that breakfast, are you like freaking out? I was a little nervous. Also, I, I, we didn't really know it was going to be a breakfast. Like it was at the Beverly Hilton. And it, it, so we were at a round table. It was a sort of a round table interview. But there was a buffet. So when... And we had already all eaten. Maybe we had some plates with eggs and bacon in front of us, but mostly mm. had eaten. And then Pacino comes in, and he wanted it, the buffet. And he's like, oh, would you mind if I, if I get some food today? And we were like, yeah, no problem. And so, so that's how it ended up really being breakfast. It was just supposed to be you know, yeah. at a table with him. But he was great because he gives you all the sort of godfathery stuff that you would want. I got to interview Coppola once. Wow. 
Yeah, at a Comic-Con, no less. Right. Because there was a weird year in 2011 at Comic-Con where, for whatever reason, there weren't a lot of, like, Comic-Con-esque movies mm. there just because they didn't have a lot coming out or whatever. You know, I mean, this was still early days of Marvel and, yeah. you know, Disney didn't have Star Wars yet. It was a weird year where, like, the stars were... Del Toro was there with some movie that he was producing... Coppola was there. I think maybe this was the summer of Django or before, you know, before Django was released and Tarantino was there. It was like mm -hmm. all like, you know, really artsy filmmakers as opposed to being, you know, Comic-Con-y. But yeah, that's where I got Coppola and Val Kilmer. Because Kilmer was there before he really got sick. Yeah. Oh, this is a great Kilmer story, actually. And this would tie into <laughs> Top Gun. Okay, so rumors of a Top Gun 2. Now, Ridley, uh, uh, Tony Scott's still alive. This is like 2011. So Tony Scott's still alive. Um, Val Kilmer isn't sick yet. And there, are, there have been in the press rumors about that Tom Cruise is interested in Top Gun 2, that they're talking about Top Gun 2. So I get Val Kilmer for this Coppola movie. I can't remember what it was, but it was some horror, Coppola horror movie that he did around that time and so i'm talking to val and val was very this is post the downey jr shane black movie yeah. uh kiss kiss, kiss, kiss bang, bang, bang bang yeah so he was already like a little heavier i kind of call it his elvis phase because he was like he had a beard he was like a little heavier and he had aviator he did have aviator sunglasses on. right so i'm talking to him about the movie, about Coppola, blah, blah, blah. And then my last question, I say, listen, there's been a lot of talk lately about... Am I too close to Mark? No, no, you're okay. I hear him growling a yeah. little bit. Yeah. But I've got him. He's pretty far back. I've yeah. Got him. But he, he is keeping a beat on your feet. Yeah. And so... He can snap. Oh, yeah, he can. <laughs> but I, I've got him. No, he's good. He's good. He's, he just relaxed. So uh, Kilmer comes in. And so my last question, I say, listen, there's been some talk in the trades about Top Gun 2, and is that something you would be interested in doing? And Val Kilmer went on this great thing. He's like, you know, yeah, when I was doing the first one, Tony Scott told me, hey, Val, you know, so he starts doing like a Tony Scott British impression. He goes, hey, Val, the, the plane's going to be great. We're the plane's going like this, going like that. You know, and then Val's doing this, you know, explaining this. And so he's like, yeah, I'd love to do it. You know, if Tom's there, that'd be great. And then he kind of pauses for a second, and he looks at me like he's getting serious. And he goes, I even have a title for it. And I was like... Ah, okay, and so I, I'll bite, you know. Yeah. I, I was like, oh, wow, what would the title be? And he, so he stops looking at me, and he looks directly into camera, right? And he says, Top Gun 2. And then he whips off his aviators like uh, David Caruso on right. CSI. Top Gun 2, dogfight. And then he just walked out. <laughs> like, because I was the last <laughs> interview in the hall. He just walked out of the whole That's room. Because um, he gave you the punchline. Because he gave yeah. me the punchline. Like Robert Top Stack Gun in Top Gun 2, uh, dogfight. Yes, yes. So obviously that's not the title they ended up going with. And I will say, I've seen Top Gun 2. It's awesome. And Val's scene is the best scene in the movie. Really? Yeah. yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. It's really touching. It's oh, really yeah. good. Right. And I, they, that's all I'm saying. I don't want to say anything else. Do they keep saying to him, speak up? Well, this is what I didn't want to say, but I'll say it like this. They incorporate the actor's illness right. with the character. Okay. So it all makes sense. Yeah. But yes, he can't really speak much. Yeah, but it makes it makes sense in the context of the film. And it's really good. So yeah, so that's a good Val Kilmer story. I mean, I've interviewed Kermit the... Oh, you want to hear Kermit the Frog, Miss Piggy's yes. story? Does that sound good? Yeah. Right. Frank Oz, are we talking? What no, it? so this is... No, this is the guy who took over Steve Kimmick. Jobs? 
No, well, he took over Kermit from Jim Henson when Jim Henson died. Right. But then he had an issue where he was canceled by Disney. I think I don't want to say the wrong sexual harassment, but something. Wait, does Disney own Henson? Disney owns Henson. Oh, I didn't know yep, that. Disney. Oh uh, no, well that's not accurate. Disney owns the Muppets. Okay. They don't own the Jim Henson Company. And the Jim Henson Company owns Dark Crystal and Fraggle Rock and that IP. The Disney just owns the Muppets. Okay. I don't even think they have Sesame Street. I think HBO has Sesame Street. If so right Kermit got that. canceled. So, so the guy who was Kermit yeah. got canceled, I think. But this was him back then. And so it was on the set of the first Muppet movie, like of the recent ones, the one with Amy Adams and Jason Segel. Mm -hmm. And so we're on the set. And it was really funny because it's a scene where they are all in a car. It's Jason Segel, Amy Adams, and like all the Muppets in a car. <laughs> and so the car is stripped of everything beneath it. And it's raised. So it's just the shell. And then you have like Amy and Jason sitting in their seats. And then you have the Muppeteers like laying on their backs with their arms up like this. So as soon as they yell, so you got, you got the puppet up like this, right? And, and they come alive. It's amazing. It's like, oh my God, it, Kermit's alive. Like you really believe it. Yeah. It's really magical the way that happens. And then they yell cut. It's like, <laughs> I mean, because their arms are tired, but right. they just go down so quick. It's just right. like, oh my God. So then another interesting Muppet thing is there. So then we go past these this table it's like a picnic table like a huge picnic table a card table folded out and it's got a tarp over it because all the muppets are laid out oh, on the table right and they're referred to on set as dead muppets oh and that's why they have the tarp over them because they were outside and god forbid you they don't ever want anyone to see a dead muppet sure yeah Right. Because it takes away the magic and, you know, and all that. So they, uh, the set visit was basically over. We had seen them shooting. We had talked to Amy and, you know, everybody, you know, Jason, everybody. And we were waiting for a special photo op. We, all the press members, one by one, we're going to have a special photo op with Kermit and Piggy. So we're just waiting around and I'm talking to this hippie looking dude. He's got, you know, he's got long brown hair and a long beard. And he looks, you know, tie dye t-shirt and he looks like a hippie. Mm. And I'm just talking to him, talking to him, and, and I don't realize that he's Kermit the Frog. Right. He's Steve Kimmock, or whatever that guy's name was. I'm just talking to this guy, and then I swear he puts this green sock on his arm, right. and he becomes invisible. Obviously not literally, but do you know what I mean? Like, yeah. you really, it's magical. Right. You're not seeing that human being anymore. You're just talking to Kermit the Frog, and he's right. alive, and he's real. So the other guy who's Miss Piggy, he's there too. And they get down kind of on their knees on the ground. And so the idea was we, so and you've seen this picture of me before posing with them, is we kind of come in right behind them. So you've got Kermit here, Piggy here, and, and each one of us kind of comes in, mm -hmm. you know, leaning in over them. So the picture is just, you know, the person and then the two Muppets. And so um, I do my picture and I get done. And as I'm kind of stepping out of the way, uh, another reporter, um, a, a female reporter who is attractive, and that's uh, important for this story, for the punchline of the story, I'll just say she's an attractive uh, woman, walks, a blonde walks into the frame to get the picture taken. Now, there's no video going. This isn't a show. These are just still photos. Yeah. I see as Jenna, the girl, walks into the frame, Miss Piggy turns her head 
and starts looking over the girl and then says out of the corner of her mouth, hey, lady, keep your hands off my frog. <laughs> and I mean, as if they were real, like she's ad-libbing and like I, the, the guy didn't look like he was paying any attention at all, you right. know? And so it's just, the, yeah, it's amazing how those Muppets kind of come alive. I got to meet a few Fraggle Rocks characters at some Fraggle Rock thing once too, but yeah. Oh, and I got to meet Carol Spinney, who was uh, Big Bird right. and Oscar the Grouch right. for 30 or 40 years. That's interesting because... I had a 15-minute interview with him because they had made a documentary about him, which is actually a very good documentary. Right. So I had about a 15-minute interview with him. He was a great interview. He's telling me all these great stories. One story I'll tell you real quick is that Big Bird was supposed to go into outer space. Right. Not, what was her name? Christy McAuliffe on the challenge? Yes. McAuliffe. Yeah. So the Challenger that blew up in 84, 85. Yeah. Christy McAuliffe was this school teacher who was chosen to be the first regular person in space. Right. Mm -hmm. Originally, it was going to be Big Bird. Oh, wow. Big Bird was going, because it was an educational thing, so she was going to teach kids from space. Right. So originally, yeah. it was going to be Carol Spinney as Big Bird <laughs> teaching kids from space. But Big, I mean, we know what happened to the shuttle. So, so yeah. he actually wore the Big Bird suit? Or? Well, that, that was the plan. Yeah. And, but, then, but he didn't go into space. They yeah. didn't end up doing it. And so this other woman went and then the shuttle, shuttle exploded. But so 15-minute interview with this guy. He was great. Gave me great answers. You know, really, because the worst thing is like one-word answers or, you know, a person gives you, you know, a couple mm. sentences. Like you want them to talk, you know. Right. And, and so towards the end of the interview, I noticed that he's got a little duffel bag. And I said, what's in the duffel bag? And he goes, oh, that's Oscar. I was like, oh. Could, could, could we talk to Oscar for a second? He's like, oh, yeah, sure. So he puts Oscar on. Oscar gets up. Oscar can't do an interview. He didn't know what to say. He couldn't improv with me. Do you know what I mean? That's when I realized, I mean, this is my opinion, is that he can only be witty when it's written out for him right. as the character. So to do Oscar was a terrible interview. <laughs> Carol was great, but right. Oscar was terrible because Oscar didn't know what to say. Yeah. So, uh, yeah, yeah, Oscar unlike Miss Piggy. Miss Piggy's a prima donna. I had another issue with Miss Piggy on the second Muppet one, Muppet movie, the one with Ricky Gervais and Tina Fey. They don't want you interviewing the Muppeteers. They want to pretend like they're not real, like they're not there. So I was doing a print interview. So it wasn't on camera. It was just a print interview. And in theory, I was supposed to be interviewing Miss Piggy. But... You know, we all know I'm interviewing a guy doing a Miss Piggy voice. I mean, it's all silly. It's yeah. just really silly for a print interview. Please. And so I was like, can I just interview the guy? Because like, that's interesting about him being a Muppeteer. No, 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 no. You're interviewing the character. All right, fine. So I get there, and I guess it was at the end of a long press day, and the guy who does Miss Piggy was tired and did not feel like putting the puppet on his hand and just wanted to do the voice to me in the interview. And I found that to be ridiculous. Yeah. I said, listen, I'll interview him as him. And they're like, no, 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 no. You, you would still be interviewing Miss Piggy, but he's just not going to put the puppet on. But then I'm not interviewing Miss Piggy. Yeah. I'm interviewing a guy doing a squeaky voice. Yeah. And I don't, you know, so either I interview the guy or I interview Miss Piggy, but he's got to put the sock on. And so, <laughs> yeah, and, and you know me, Brian, I don't fight back often. No. But uh, that was one where I said, come on. You, either the guy's putting the sock on or we're not doing this. This is, this is ridiculous. What so are we doing He here? did it? He yeah, put it he begrudgingly put the Muppet on and then <laughs> did the voice and, you know, it's fine.
What about Bale? Christian Bale? Yeah, yeah. I've had some good interviews with Christian Bale. I had, um, I, I, he did a movie in Pittsburgh that I went to the set for. Out of the Furnace? Out of the Furnace, yeah. Nice, yeah. yeah I love that. That was it. Yeah. That was an interesting movie because, um, so it was the director, who Scott Cooper, who directed the movie that Jeff Bridges Jeff won his Bridges Oscar for. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, uh, that cowboy singer movie. But what's interesting, so that was his first movie and was a total indie. He was an actor, became a director. It was a total indie thing. Mm -hmm. So Out of the Furnace was a relativity media movie. It was a big cast because it was Bale and Zoe Saladin and Forrest Whitaker and Defoe and Woody Harrelson and Casey Affleck. It was ridiculous. So that was the first movie as a director he'd ever like done press, like had press visit the set. And I don't think he understood that he wasn't making Batman, mm-hmm. that he was just making some little drama that no one really cared about. You yeah. know what I mean? If you do a set visit to a Batman movie or a Star Wars movie or a Marvel movie, they're going to be somewhat guarded with some things. But for the most part, they're going to tell you everything because they know you've signed an NDA. It says you can't run anything until two weeks before the movie comes out. Mm-hmm. Crazy heart. So usually, crazy heart. That's right. So usually they're really good with being. I mean, I've been on Marvel sets where I know all the secrets and that. You know what I mean? Like they're yeah. usually pretty good with sharing because they know you're not going to say anything, and no one would care about Out of the Furnace. Like yeah. there's no spoilers for Out of the Furnace. Yeah. But he was so guarded about the movie and about showing us anything. Like you would have thought it was another Batman, and yeah. we're like, this isn't. We don't know why you're acting like this. Yeah. But so it was really kind of difficult to even do coverage for that because it was like, I remember explaining to someone, I was like, by the time we write our coverage, there's going to be a trailer that explains what the movie's about. Yeah. So there's no reason to, yeah. you know, to be hiding all this at this point. But Bale was great. Yeah. And I remember in the interview for that was really good. You know, a lot of times I'll get these guys that like, you know, Spirit Awards, the festival, you know, mm-hmm. festival stuff like that on the red carpet. Yeah. Yeah. Speaking of Batman, what'd you think of the, the new Batman? Robert Pattinson? I liked it. I didn't love it as much as some people, mm-hmm. but I really did like it. I think it's very good. I love the noir aspects. I love that it's mostly a Batman movie. There's yeah. not a lot of Bruce Wayne. Mm-hmm. I thought that Pattinson was a best when he is batman i thought when we did see him as bruce wayne was a little weak yeah um, i didn't think he was as good as bruce wayne as he was as batman i didn't think they gave alfred a lot to do the yeah. villains were great loved catwoman loved penguin a riddler actually wasn't because uh, they kind of made him hush but mm-hmm. still called him riddler yeah and then i didn't really like the addition of joker or whoever that's supposed to be at the end yeah i just thought that was a little bit of waste of time i liked the music i mean there was a lot of things i really liked but i guess my biggest complaint was like one it's very similar to dark knight yeah like the idea of saying like this is nothing like nolan's no it's very much like nolan's Mm -hmm. and then my other issue with it is like and brian you'll remember like batman used to be fun yeah like he was fun and i don't mean that we have to go back to like funny adam west although my, i have a special place in my heart for the adam west 60s show i'm not saying we have to go like campy ridiculous like that yeah. but i mean you could make an iron man-esque movie where it's serious action and it's fun mm-hmm. and has a little humor in it you know so it was just too dark dark yeah yeah nice. but i liked it a lot were you interviewing people were you there reporting on the early days of the marvel universe movies 
Yeah, I was there pretty early. When Iron Man came out, I was working at Comic Book Resources. I remember interviewing Favreau for that. And uh, the actor who plays the, the terrorist that, that Tony Stark kills in the beginning. Mm. And then Iron Man 2, I was at Comic Book Resources. I think by the time Iron Man 2 came out, I was at Movie Web. And then from that point on, pretty much Movie Web, I am... When I was first at I Am Rogue was when Avengers came out. That was the first, even though technically Paramount, it was made while Paramount owned Marvel, but then it was released. At, it was the first Disney release of, of a Marvel movie. Right. So yeah, I've pretty much been on the roads, you know, the entire time with the MCU. I was on the set of Homecoming, of Spider-Man Homecoming, Avengers. I think it ended up being Infinity War. At the time, we weren't sure what we were we were because they were shooting both movies at the same time, so they were yeah. kind of like, "This is a set visit to one of them. We don't really know which one you're visiting because yeah. they're shooting both films." It ended up being the scene on Titan where Doctor Strange um, does the magic to see all the different possibilities of how they beat Thanos, and there's only one. Like mm -hmm. that was the scene that we watched okay. them shoot. Yeah. Nice. yeah, yeah, yeah. But it was crazy because it was all green screen. It was all, yeah. you know, just. Yeah, I saw Doctor Strange recently. I was, I was uh, expect. I don't know. It seemed like I didn't know quite what it was trying to be. I liked it. I but one of the big complaints is that it's basically the final episode of WandaVision, and so yeah. if you didn't see WandaVision, you're probably missing a lot of that. And that it's not really, you know, Spider-Man No Way Home point two point which yeah. it was sort of advertised as. Mm -hmm. And without giving anything away, I think. People were expecting more from the multiverse than sort yeah. of what happened. I I liked it. Like, and if you love Sam Raimi, I mean, this is a Sam Raimi movie. Mm -hmm. They really let him go full Raimi. Yeah. So I like Sam Raimi a lot. So I like that aspect of it. But I do get some of the disappointment that fans are having with it. Yeah. I was thinking the multiverse is going to be more like along the lines of the rumors. Like, Yeah. I mean, they pulled off some of the rumors. You know, <laughs> I mean, I think that they, that last casting yeah the yeah. last one revealed mm -hmm. i think that was in lieu of and they were never getting tom cruise to be iron man that was ridiculous yeah <laughs> but in lieu of that i felt like that was a big enough get yeah you know along with professor x and then there was a lesser big get but that was very surprising to me that i thought i would never see that character come back to mcu yeah. so I, I thought that that was good i get that they did feel like a bit of a you know bait and switch because of sort of what happens so quickly mm. when they meet yeah. with Scarlet Witch. Someone else was directing it. It was the guy who directed the first one, Deckerson? Deckerson? Yeah. Um, but he directed the first one, and he did like Sinister, mm -hmm. and he's got that other new one with Ethan Hawke coming out, like Black Hat? Black something? Oh, yeah, that yeah, was yeah, good. Yeah, 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 yeah. Ethan Hawke is yeah. bringing it these days. I mean, he's did all Did you like Moon Knight? Uh, yeah, I did. Like, I liked, uh, I liked, I liked him in The Northman. Yes, yes, yeah. I love The Northman. Northman That's probably my favorite movie of the year so far. Yeah. Love The yeah, Northman. Yeah, I crushed that. The Northman is sick, Brian. Yeah. Northman is so good. It's kind of like Braveheart, Spartacus, and Conan the Barbarian kind of wrapped up well, that, in one. That's not a big buildup. <laughs> what do you mean? Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah. Braveheart, Spartacus, and, and, and Conan the Barbarian. So you got two Academy Award winners. Uh, I don't know about Spartacus. Braveheart, Spartacus, Spartacus, an Academy Award winner, and then Conan. 
I got to imagine at least was nominated for something. I don't know if it was the best picture one. No, I, I was surprised. I was not expecting it to be. Yeah, as good as, yeah. As a, I mean, he's a great. Yeah. Eggers is a great director. Oh, yeah. He did the Lighthouse. Oh man. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. So that this is right. his new one. I've always liked Alexander Skarsgård. I mean, he's one of those actors that I think kind of didn't find his way as easily as he probably should have. And hopefully this, you know. Mm. Although I like the Tarzan movie. Yeah, I liked it too. Right? The yeah. Tarzan movie's pretty good. Yeah, I thought it was good. Yeah. Are they doing another one of those? No, because it didn't do a bomb pretty badly. Okay. I think it's had a <clears throat> fairly good life on like TNT and stuff. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I enjoyed it. So you never know. I mean, I'm surprised by some of sort of sequels being announced now anyway. So, you know, yeah. you know Hocus Pocus 2 and, you know. Yeah. Okay, so you never know. Yeah. What, uh, when did you start uh, getting into Marvel? Were you always into Marvel like day one? I was initially into it heavy. And then I feel like they kind of got into more of a cookie cutter, like odds are against us. Right. And it, I feel like in recent years they haven't been taken the chance like trying new things as much they kind of have that you mean that marvel formula. movies yeah, yeah they definitely have a formula i mean there's it's interesting i feel like when they get an auteur director and let them do their own thing mm-hmm. like james gunn yeah like they just let james gunn do whatever he wanted on guardians taika is another perfect example mm-hmm. like Ta- what taika did with ragnarok I mean, yeah. that, that that series was dead yeah thor was over mm-hmm. you know and and now they've got a, a thor 4 coming out this summer because yeah. Ragnarok was so great. Mm-hmm. When they let, you know, John Watts, they let him kind of do his thing with the Spider-Mans. When they let a director do but now, but sometimes it doesn't work. You know, like they let Chloe Zhao do what she wanted with Eternals. And I don't really like Eternals. Yeah. You know, and they let Sam Raimi be Sam Raimi. Mm-hmm. And, you know, whether that really worked or not, you know, is up to, up, up to uh, uh, opinion. But I do think when they hire the director and let the director do what they hired them to do yeah. it works out better the other example is like dc wouldn't let Zack snyder be you hired Zack snyder let him make yeah the movie seriously you know what i mean yeah. and, or fire him and which they did do ultimately yeah. but so so that so i i think it doesn't always work but i think you're better see what do you think about this brian i don't think it always works but i think you're better off letting the filmmaker you hire do what you hire them to do, then micromanage them. Yeah, of course, yeah. always. I mean, I mean, that goes back to, uh, to uh, uh, what's his name, Warner, Jack Warner, saying that. Okay, moving my feet. <laughs> Say that. Um, I got you, buddy. You're okay. Yeah, you're okay, Murphy. What is the fuck is his name? I was just talking about him all day yesterday. Who directed the the company? Who directed? Oh my god, I can't. Oh, yeah, the the phenomenal filmmaker oh, Robert Altman. Robert Altman. So Robert Altman was directing a film like his first film at Warner Brothers, and he had microphones all around the table, and everybody was talking. And Jack Warner uh, fired him, and he was like, "Do you know what he's doing?" Do you know what he's doing? He's letting people talk over each other. So Which back of course then, is what he ended up being known for as yeah. a filmmaker. Well, yeah, yeah but the reality of, of how people really talk. Right. And so, yeah, so I think in, in you know, uh, Seinfeld talks about it keeping, everybody talks, with Letterman talks about it keeping the executives out of the room. Yeah, and I think, I think the best executives, Robert Evans being one of them, yep. 
hire people and let them do what they want. He hired Roman Polanski to uh, direct Chinatown because he wanted a European's opinion and vision of what he thought Hollywood was at that time, which is how all the pastels came. So, yes, yeah, all pastels came to be in the beautiful... And that actually comes, comes across in the offer uh, a lot. Right. It, is that he is... Evans really fought to, you know... Yeah. Let the Godfather, you know, when other when other people like Gulf and Western and right. Bluehorn and those guys were kind of coming in, you know, he really mm -hmm. thought like, nope, let Francis do his thing. And they, they do actually cover a little Chinatown in yeah. in the offer. But I'm well. just agreeing with you that if, yeah. if they, they you get a brilliant filmmaker and I think it works out a lot more often than it doesn't. Right, I agree. But sometimes you, you know, sometimes you take a swing and that's right. what artists do. Sometimes you take a swing. And it doesn't work out, but you take a fucking swing. You know, Hoffman talks about that. You know, Dustin Hoffman talks about go down swinging. Well, I always appreciate a bigger swing, yeah, than something safe. Like, you know, Chloe Zhao is another perfect example. Like, I didn't think Eternals worked, but she definitely took a big swing. Mm -hmm. You can say the same about James Gunn, where I think those do work. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, in general, I think when they let Orson the filmmaker. Wells. Orson Welles, the um, Magnificent Ambersons. When they, they just change, you know, they, they change the movie. Right. And then it doesn't work. And then he gets labeled as a bad filmmaker. Well, there's a story about the last Richard Pryor, Gene Wilder movie was be, was directed by Peter Bogdanovich. Right. And then they shut down production and Bogdanovich was gone. Right. And they rewrote the entire movie. I don't even think they used the first half of production in the final Really? Film. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Did I mean, it? it's a mess of a movie. But is there a story about the first production would have worked? Yeah, I mean, I think Bogdanovich had a plan, and they weren't letting. They didn't let him. Well, right. Kind of. Well, that's what through. I mean. I yeah. mean, the, would the Bogdanovich version of that work better than the final? I, I, that I'm not sure. I mean, I think the whole thing was doomed from the beginning. But right. I'll tell you this: it probably would have been more interesting. Right. Yeah. May not have been better, but it might have been more interesting. Well. Yeah. Could have turned out to be better. Yeah. So I'd like to see Disney allow Marvel to step into that, like how Deadpool really took a took a. Deadpool is going to be interesting. The Disney Deadpool three and yeah. what they do with that and how they. I mean, I, I like I really liked Free Guy and The Adam Project, mm -hmm. uh, which were the last two Ryan Reynolds movies, both directed by Sean Levy, who did A Night at the Museum among okay, others. Yeah. And there are some Sean Levy movies I really like. He did a good family drama that had Tina Fey and Jane Fonda in it. And I like Real Steel, which was the Hugh Jackman movie. Mm -hmm. and that was good. But for the most part, I mean, I'm not a big fan of The Night at the Museums. I certainly didn't like The Cheaper by the Dozens yeah. or The Pink Panthers. I mean, those are his franchises. Oh my God. Yeah, yeah. Steve Martin, Pink Panthers. Yeah. Those are all his franchises. Yeah. So I really like Free Guy. I really like Adam Project. And, you know, Ryan obviously has a good working relationship after those two movies, and he brought him in to be his director yeah. for Deadpool 3. And, of course, the studio is not going to turn it down because it's a big-name director. He just delivered a lot of money with Free Guy, and this is, you know, yeah. Ryan's choice. But I love David Leach, mm -hmm. who did the first John Wick, Atomic Blonde, the last oh, yeah. Deadpool 2. And so... I don't know what it means to have the night the museum guy now. Yeah. I mean, I know he can do yeah. more and he's shown more, but like still, yeah. it it's a very Disney choice. Mm -hmm. Yeah, like, I said it more in like a sense of like a R-rated Iron Man film. If Disney makes a Deadpool movie in the MCU, 
I don't see how you make a PG-13. Now, they're still saying it's going to be R. I don't see how Disney puts out an R movie. Yeah. I just don't see, you know, and if they do, it'll never be on Disney+. Plus. It'll just be on Hulu, mm-hmm. which is where I think Deadpool 1 That's and 2 That's where I think live. Disney and Marvel kind of put themselves in like a box a little too much versus DC can, they, right. they're not uh, confined by that aiming for the kids as much. Right. DC can put out, uh, you know, DC Legends of the Super Pets <laughs> and Black Adam and a super dark Batman and a super dark Joker. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like they can kind of pop all over. I mean, there's definitely a Marvel formula that has serviced them well. Oh, yeah. And I think one of the tricks is now Star Wars is trying to figure out what that formula is because, the, you know, I think they've had some sort of rocky. Obviously, Star Wars is still super popular, but, you know, the, the, yeah. the post-Disney mm-hmm. acquiring yeah. I wasn't has been rocky. the recent trilogy. No, I really, really liked The Last Jedi, the second one. I liked the first one a lot. I Mm -hmm. liked the first two a lot. And I hated the last one. Yeah. And... I hated The Last Jedi, but was okay with the most recent one. Oh, interesting. I just felt like watching Mark Hamill just pout around i know it was a little well i liked that it was something different than what i expected yeah but but there's the other camp that wanted what they expected yeah and i i i I get that i didn't like the course correction i mean i think it was never a good idea to split the trilogy up with three different directors which was always the plan you know and then course correcting by bringing jj back Mm -hmm. probably wasn't a good idea either and if you look jj's never directed a good sequel look at his resume of movies did he do the second? He did the Star second Trek? Star Trek, which is not as good as the first one, yeah. and he did the third Star Wars, that is not as good as the first one. So, mm-hmm. did you like Rogue One? I did like Rogue One. I yeah. did like. Rogue. I actually don't hate Solo. Mm-hmm, yeah. I actually think there's some good stuff in Solo. Yeah. Um, so too. But the Mandalorian, I love the Mandalorian, mm-hmm. and I would say, did you see the Book of Boba Fett? I watched it. Did you I see the Mando like, episodes? Yeah, that's okay. when it finally. Yeah, right. The so the book stuff, of Boba was Fett like, wasn't that great yeah. a series, but two of the episodes don't even have Boba Fett in them. It, they're completely Mandalorian episodes. One of those episodes, the one that had the return of Baby Yoda, the return of young Luke, and Ashaka in it, mm-hmm. and Cad Bane shows up for the first time. Yeah, I would say that hour of Star Wars television. As, is as good as any hour of any Star Wars movie ever made. Yeah. I agree. Which yeah. probably says more about how bad some of the Star Wars movies that yeah. they made are. But well, I would put that hour that. up with as good of an hour from Empire yeah. or New Hope. Getting out of that Sand People storyline, I was like, thank you. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. <laughs> yeah. I was but about, I was about to kill to myself. The, to the yeah. Old West Town with, uh, with, with Timothy Oliphant and all mm-hmm. that stuff. Murph. For fuck's sake, let me get comfortable, dog. It, no, he it, does it not might be want this. you to get comfortable. It might be the cord. It could be the cord, too. It, oh, it's, it's very much the cord. He's okay. He's got his football. Uh, he's okay. He thinks it's a snake. He won't bite you again. Not if he does. Glom on you, <laughs> fucking. <sighs> so. so, what do you have going on now? So, so now I'm at moviephone.com, okay. um, So, which is obviously the old... You know, the brand we know from the 90s, a lot of people will recognize it from an episode of Seinfeld uh, mm-hmm. where Kramer uh, answers the phone. Hello and welcome to Movie Phone. And Movie Phone is this interesting thing. You may be a little bit too young for this day, but like in the 90s, before there was an internet, 
before we knew how to use it. If you wanted to find what local movie theater was showing the movie you wanted to see, you called this phone number. And this voice would say, hello, welcome to Movie Phone. Uh. For Jurassic Park, push one. For Armageddon, push two. And then you'd push the number with the movie you wanted to see. And then it would tell, maybe you put in your zip code or something and tell you what, you know, you know times it's playing uh, uh, yeah, you I didn't know, know at the theater. Oh, the guy started in his garage. Yeah. Sold it for $127, $137 million. Huge, huge, huge thing. And then when it got digital, before Fandango, you would buy your movie tickets there. And, and so it's gone through a bunch of different hands. It was at AOL and they kind of messed with it. And then it went to MoviePass. Remember MoviePass that lasted about mm -hmm. a hot minute? And they kind of really destroyed it. And so the company I work for now um, bought Movie Phone uh, in 2020 from MoviePass. And they produce a weekly syndicated uh, television show called Made in Hollywood. It's nationally syndicated, 90 markets across the country. And um, it's basically a junket package show, all interviews from different junkets. And so they wanted... Um, they didn't really have a website presence, so they bought Movie Phone, and I hired me last late last year. I'm the editor in chief now of Movie Phone, which is awesome. awesome. Congrats! And helping uh, booking talent for the for the website, and as well as the TV show, we sort of cross, you know, uh, um, between the two. And so any content on the TV show ends up on the site and vice versa. And, you know, we've just been handling all the movies. I do a lot of reviews, interviews. We have daily news. So all the big stories we're posting daily, the news, reviews, interviews. You can get your showtimes on moviephone.com. Uh, Soon we will also be doing ticket sales as well. Uh, we're going to get back into that. Is there uh, an app? Yep, yeah, yep, there's an app. So it's on. we're on mobile, we're on, you know, everywhere else. And what is the um, app? It was a movie phone. Well, I know. I mean, moviephone.com. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. I just wanted you to promote. Yeah. Yeah. No, no, moviephone. I thought I had said moviephone.com, but yeah, no. moviephone.com. I, I didn't say that because I don't know what a fucking yeah, app no, is. Yeah. No, no, no. I no, lost no, a lot of what, what is well, the but, app? But, but, well, the I don't know that there's com. an app, but it's mobile. So you can okay. get moviephone on your phone. Gotcha. So uh, my question wasn't stupid because you don't know if it's mobile. Well, no, it is mobile. He's lost a lot of blood the, already. App's not the word. We've I'm getting cold. Um, <laughs> oh, no, my feet. I can't feel my toes. I can't feel my feet. Murphy and my toes. And so showtimes and reviews and all that stuff on, on movie phones, which is great. And then we've got Star Wars Celebration coming up in Anaheim next weekend. So that'll be exciting. And I'm sure, you know, Obi-Wan premieres this week. So we'll have, I'm sure Obi-Wan will be at the convention and Ashoka and all the... I mean, that's where the Star Wars is really doing some good stuff, I think, is on the TV shows. I, they, I, honestly, I think they just let Favreau and Dave Filoni run the whole thing. But mm -hmm. right now, I think they're relegated just to the TV side. I have to say that I was sharing a house with a crazy woman. And it was Christmas time. And Dave here went to uh, Florida for Christmas. And I stayed at his house. Oh, yeah. On the, well, of course, you filmed there. Yeah, yeah. We filmed there at the, the lake house. And I watched The Mandalorian. He's like, do you watch Mandalorian? Kyle and Dave, like, you seen the last episode? And I'm like, I'm watching it. And I was oh, into it. Season two? It. Was that season one? Oh, was it season one? Okay. Well, the last episode where LS. Luke shows yeah, up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, so that's and, season two. Yeah, and I, okay, yeah, yeah the yeah. last yeah. episode. Yeah, yeah. And I got to say, I've never geeked out yeah. anymore. I think I was calling you. 
You know, yeah. I was like, oh my God, is this happening? Is this happening? I never geeked out so much in my fucking they did, life. They did a good job with him. I think they did. Uh, they, I thought that the effects worked really good with that. Yeah. Because sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Like when they've well, done. I, I just they, mean he, he shows up. No, no, but I just he mean the de aging. The de aging doesn't always work. Like, right. like, I don't think it worked with De Niro in. Irishman. Yeah, it didn't bother me. Well, you and I have talked yeah, about that. It yeah. didn't bother me. Because he still moved like a 70-year-old guy, even yeah. when he was 20. Yeah. Um, and his face just like looked too polished. But then like the way they use it in the Ant-Man movies with Michael Douglas and Michelle Pfeiffer, that looks like seamless. Or Sam Jackson and Captain Marvel was really good. Yeah. Phil Coulson, Clark Gregg. Clark Gregg? Greg Clark? Greg Clark. Is it Greg Clark or Clark Gregg? Clark Gregg. I don't know. But you know what I'm talking about. He looks just too blurry. Right. Like, that's the problem sometimes. If the de-aging doesn't work right, they just look blurry. Right. Wasn't James Dean supposed to be starring something coming up? I know what you're talking about. And I think there was some talk about bringing Steve McQueen back to life, too. Yeah. But no, there was talk about bringing James Dean back to life in something. Yeah. I, I, that I, becomes too many questions for me because then, it, well, who's the actual human being doing the acting because the whole character you're, you're just digitizing a face on yeah. another human being so who's the human being doing the actual acting yeah i don't know i hadn't heard that are, are you, you know, excited we, for elvis yeah but the thing is it's elvis i'm a huge elvis fan yeah i'm a huge i could tell you where i was you know when i heard right tell you exactly how i felt and what the weather was when i heard that elvis died so the the thing is it's hard you know gearing up for it I, I want to see it. Of course, I'm going to see it. But look, I was a big uh, Bobby Darren fan, and then Kevin Spacey did Beyond the Sea. Oh and God. he, it, it, look, so bad, man. I, Kevin Spacey is a phenomenal actor. He's I think just he was nominated for a Academy Award for it. But he was singing, right. and Bobby Darren's just got a legendary right. voice. The Cannes Film Festival is going on right now. Yeah. And they are shopping the first Kevin Spacey movie in five years. Oh, okay. Have you seen the trailer for it? No. Oh, my God. It looks awful. Oh. He looks awful. The wig, that the toupee that he has on or whatever. He's just playing a creepy, like, assassin. Well, that's too bad. You, you, look, you know, I've seen, I know Kevin Spacey's, you know, done his thing. And There's a got, bunch of movies. Got, Polanski's got one down right. there. Johnny Depp's got one right. down there. I mean, everyone canceled. James Franco's got one. He's yeah. shopping at Con right now. So really? every, uh-huh. I read a well, list of all the canceled people that are shopping things at Con, and he was on it. I spent days with Kevin Spacey on the set of LA Confidential. Right, right, right. I've right. seen the man in action, but he's a phenomenal actor. Incredible. So actor. it's it's hard to believe that this looks well. Horrible. That's part. Yeah, that's part of the problem. Is that he is an incredible actor, and so we know how good he is, and he's so bad in this. Really? That's... Because I'm sure he's just doing it for money. And it's probably not a very good script. Well, that's the wrong reason to do it. I mean, he's got to... He, whatever, man. Whatever. I don't know. Well, if Mel Gibson can come back, yeah, anyone can come back. Yeah, but the thing about Mel Gibson is he didn't touch anybody. Yeah. I mean, he said words, and they were awful. Right. They were awful. Well, And also on that list is Baldwin. Alec. Right. Really? Because, of the, because he's in trouble for killing well, a woman. Yeah, I mean... But he's still shopping movies, making movies. Now this so, is a movie Franco wants to. I don't know the full wants story. to have made because I saw his name on I don't, IMDb for the first time in a long time. I don't know if the way the article is written, I can't tell if he is actively shopping something there, or if someone is actively shopping something with him attached there. 
Right. Either way, there's something be trying to be sold at con right. with James Franco attached. Right. Whether he's the one trying to sell it or not, I don't know. Right. Yeah, but his yeah. name's attached to something. Well, yeah. this has been phenomenal. This is it. Yeah. Well, this I mean, is it amazing. could be, but you said you had to, you know, you had some place to be. How long have we been going? We've been going at least 90 minutes. Yeah, like a good hour and a half. Yeah. yeah. So. We can wrap it up. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you're going to come back. I absolutely. I'm going to think of different things to ask you because I want to hear about more interviews and, and um, where you're going to go from here. What's your vision? Where are you going from here, JP? I mean, I'm just happy to. Hold on a sec. I'm sorry. Yeah. Interviewing Bruce Dern. Oh, okay. Let's end on that. That's a great. I'm glad you. I'm glad you remembered that one. Okay, this is a very touching story. So, my father and I were really close, and he died of Parkinson's in 2013, summer 2013. Way too young. And the fall of 2013. Thank you, Ben Philbrick. And growing up, and all my friends heard this too. Like we would constantly hear the story. Anytime that Bruce Dern was on television or in a movie or on the news, my dad would tell, you know, me and my friends, I ran track in high school against Bruce Dern. And I don't think we like didn't believe him, but it was just one of those things that was like, yeah, 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 sure. And I guess I mm -hmm. sort of figured like he probably did run track against him in high school, stuff, but he didn't know him, you know, or know anything, you know. So my dad passes and then a couple months later, and it's all sort of interesting because Alexander Payne, who I had worked with, with my old boss, Kevin Tent, his editor, put out a movie called Nebraska, which is about an old man dying in a relationship between father and son with Will Forte and Bruce Dern. And so Bruce Dern gets nominated for an Oscar, I think, right? Didn't he get nominated for an Oscar? Yeah. yeah. And now this sort of ropes back into, this was the same week with Oprah. This was the last night of the Santa Barbara Film Festival, and they were uh, celebrating Bruce Dern that night. So I had told the publicist running the red carpet, we were friends, and she knew the story about Bruce Dern running against my dad. And she was like, oh, you should try to tell him. And I was like, that's fine. He's not going to remember. Mm -hmm. and, you know, and Bruce Dern was really, you know, very, still pretty, I mean, as old as he is now, this was, you know, eight years ago or whatever. Yeah. So he, he, was, he was old enough. And I was like, no, no, no. And so we do the carpet. They, she brings her, him over to me. We're having a nice interview. You know, everything's kind of going fine. Uh, and all of a sudden, he starts talking about running. And he's a big runner. Like right. running is he's an avid. Ultra marathon. Yeah, yeah, ultra he marathon. He's a big runner. From Malibu to Paramount. To, to Santa Barbara and back. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. He was working doing right. movies and he would run Crazy. to Paramount yeah, so, from Malibu. So he loves run. Like he's a big running guy. And so he starts talking about running and he starts naming these people that he's run with, you, you know, and he's talking about, you know, me and so-and-so from Santa Barbara and ran here and da, da da And I'm just like, oh, okay. And so I just sort of, and I wasn't planning on it, but I just sort of threw out, I said, uh, you know, my father used to say that he ran track against you in high school. And he, and he looks at me surprised. Your father? <laughs> Who's your father? And so I'm thinking, he, yeah, okay. Uh, well, my dad's name was uh, Ben Philbrick. <gasps> ben Philbrick was your father? I was shocked. He knew who he was. Yeah. 
I was like, what? What? And so, oh, yeah, yeah. And he ran. You tell him. You know, I didn't tell him that he had just passed. Well, he said to you the event he ran. Well, he named the event he ran, the track, the high school, the other people on my dad's team, which were names I recognized. Dick Fisk was a name. (laughs) Once you hear Dick Fisk, you don't forget that. That's right. (laughs) And so I knew he starts there. And and Louis Chubiowski or something, but they were names that I had heard my father say. Mm-hmm. And so I knew, and I, it was an amazing, I was just like, oh my, wow. He's like, you tell him, you tell him uh, Dick Fisk and Chubiowski and blah, 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 blah. And I say, like, I will, Mr. Dunn. And I didn't want to, you know, blow the moment and kind of tell him, well, mm-hmm. he passed away a few months ago. But yeah, it was, uh, and we got it on video. And uh, so Brian's seen it many yeah. times. It yeah. pops up on it's YouTube awesome. every awesome. once in a while. Yeah. And uh, yeah. yeah, it was a really amazing and, and Bruce Dern apparently has a great memory mm-hmm. um, because I've been told that or I've heard other people say that Tarantino say that and stuff like that but uh, yeah that was yeah, pretty that's that incredible. Was, and that was a crazy week between Oprah one night and Dern another night and, and Robert Redford was there that week too I was just going to ask you yeah. I figured we'd wait till later I was just going to ask if you've interviewed Robert Redford that's so fucking crazy I, yeah I've gotten Redford a couple times I think and he's very nice Yeah, he was very very nice when I was interviewing him Winter Soldier hadn't come out yet but it was, it was close we were just a few months away mm-hmm. and so I, I asked him about Winter Soldier because the Russos had kept talking that it was going to be similar, or they had they had used Three Days of the Condor as sort of a, a template influence, yeah, template mm-hmm. influence. And so I was trying to get him to talk about Winter, you know, Winter Soldier. And I brought up that the Russo brothers, you know, said that that they were inspired by Condor, and he's like, oh, I don't know about any of that, but I really wanted to see how these Marvel movies are made. I because re- I think I had posed that like, is that what got you interested in the film? The fact that it's sort of a you know, 70s spy kind of thing. He's like, I don't know about any of that. He could care less. But he's like, I wanted to see how they make these movies. He's like, I had seen Iron Man. My, my kids showed me Iron Man or something. He's like, and I wanted to be a part of these. And I thought that was really, really, I mean, it says a lot about what a brilliant filmmaker and Hollywood guy he is. And I think Michael Douglas had a similar right. response to why he wanted to be a part of a Marvel movie. You know, because they'll tell you that it's, you know, the acting's different. You know what I mean? It's not mm-hmm. a, a, as much about acting. and But they wanted to see how this money is made, these costumes, the sets, and all these, like, big things. And I, I think that's really, you know, great for Redford and, and Michael Sh- Douglas and some of those guys. I want to see how it works. Sherry McCrone's prom date makes all the props for the Marvel Universe. Oh, okay. Russell Bobbitt. Okay. So there you go. Yeah. So Did he make uh, Milnor? What's that? What's Milnor? What's Milnor? What is that? Milior is the name of Thor's Oh, Thor, yeah. Oh. He makes everything. Tripping. He Mil- makes everything. Milior is in the corner. I mean, I don't know that for a fact, but he makes everything. Yeah. He's been in charge of the props. He's got... He made Jeremy got, Renner's bow and arrow. Yeah, he's got an enormous warehouse. And yeah. He moved to Atlanta. His son works with him, which is awesome. And, uh, Wait, yeah. Brian. Brian. Are you worthy, though, Brian? I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I don't know that you're worthy. Careful. Don't Let's get your arm bit off. Yeah. So I have one of those <laughs> autographed by Stan Lee. Dang. Well, really? That's awesome. Yep. Yeah. Because yeah. when one of those days that we were doing stuff with him, they were just like, if you have stuff you want him to sign, you just bring it in. That's he crazy. had a stack. He had a stack of old, not old. I mean, they were recent Marvel. They weren't like classic Marvel comics, but they were just a stack of like, you know, within the last couple of years, but just a bunch of comics. Just so that, you right. know, if you come into the office, 
he can sign just one of these comics and give it to you. Yeah. So I think next time I want to talk about uh, is Giancarlo Esposito the most underrated actor in Hollywood? I mean, he was at some one time. I think he's I think he's getting the credit he deserves in in recent years. You ever see that TV show? It's a you know younger people show for maybe your age. Uh, the Get Down about the uh, rappers in the Bronx in the eighties. Oh he, no, but he I plays a, a pastor in it. Okay. Fucking awesome! It's a little thing that most he's people know. He's great on the boys. Great in Breaking Bad. Great in Mandalorian. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I like him a lot. So um, he's no Titus Oliver, but he's pretty good. Well, thank you, thank you. For <laughs> no, no, no. no. They're, negative, they're both excellent actors. At the they're end both of, end of the show. They're both Thanks excellent. No, no. <laughs> I just wanted to put into my how much I love Titus Oliver, but they're both excellent. Titus Oliver is fantastic. You and I talked about yeah. it. You know, going back to NYPD Blue, yep. playing the doctor there. I NYPD thought he was, Blue, I thought he was New great York under, Undercover. Yeah. yeah. So Deadwood, um, all that stuff. Riff Raff. Yeah, yeah. He's no Jamie Philbrook. Once in life. Once in life. That's right. So, but you know, okay. Before we finish, any socials or anything you want to promote be yeah. beyond movie phone yeah absolutely i you think can... we just went through that movie phone does not have an app i believe that's what happened <laughs> that's, Go ahead. that's right they don't have an app but there are we why don't they have an app i think that's your job when you get out of here no, get a fucking app no, we don't need that but <laughs> moviephone.com you can read it you must be older than you know it's, it's it's mobile you just go to moviephone.com on your phone or uh, whatever device you choose uh, you can follow me on Instagram and Twitter at Fieldbrock uh, and then please check out moviephone.com for all your showtimes, reviews and movie news and is there a Fieldbrock character out there somewhere Ah, yes Dr. Phil, Dr. Phil Brick well so Phil, my last Phil name Brick. is Phil Brick and a good friend of mine Benjamin Jagenoff uh, who goes by the name of uh, B. Earl, uh, is a writer for Marvel Comics and is Taboo from the Black Eyed Peas uh, writing partner. And the two of them wrote Werewolf by Night, uh, four-issue series for Marvel two years ago, which is being made into a Disney Plus Halloween special starring... Garcia, some yeah, Gail Garcia. Gail Garcia, yes. So he's starring in the series, which is the directorial debut. the The composer of uh, the Batman and Incredibles and Michael Michael Giacchino. Yeah. Yes. So he's the Oscar-winning composer. I believe he won for Up, but he will make his directorial debut directing the. Ha uh, Halloween special of Werewolf by Night, based on this series that my friend wrote. And in it here, there is a character, we don't know that he'll make it to the Halloween special, but in this uh, Marvel series, there is a character named Dr. Phil Brick, and he looks shockingly like me. And so, yeah, I hope that he, uh, that he that character gets, get, he, he, yeah. so I am a character in Marvel Comics. Uh, and, and only can hope that someday Bradley Cooper will play me in the film. There you go. Yeah. All right. Benjamin. Boys. Jamie. It's been excellent. Yeah, right. Thank you, brother. I hope, I hope you don't have any lasting scars. We'll find like, out. We'll find out. It's not all right. Like, not like I don't have enough already. Exactly. This is not a blank canvas we're working with here.